Thanks for listening today. It is the podcast for The Giving Leader. My name's Phil Ling. I'm the the host and the founder of The Giving Leader, along with The Giving Church. You can check out our consulting organization there at thegivingchurch.com. My guest today is Dwight Mason. Dwight is the pastor of New Point Community Church in Northeast Ohio. If you look them up, they're based in Dover, which is kind of picturesque farmland and Amish country. But over a period of decades, Dwight has built a thriving congregation with multiple locations, five, six locations now, uh, 4,000 plus in attendance. It is an amazing ministry, a major ministry in a very modest uh, area. And that's one of the reasons I want to clue in, because sometimes we think about guys just going to big cities, dense populations, and building thriving churches. But what if God places you in a rural or a semi-rural area, and how do you not let that limit your vision? So Dwight Mason is going to join us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. This is Dwight Mason. Dwight is the senior pastor of New Point. New Point. I right. just gave you a new name. Yeah. New Point Community Church in Dover, Ohio. Everybody listening needs to Google that because that's part of your story. Right. Is where you are. Right. Dover. Your campus where we are because you have multiple campuses, mm-hmm. but the main campus here in Dover used to be a farm. Right. Fantastic facility, but your sign is the silo. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know of another church in America that has a silo yeah. for their sign. Well, it was a farm and, and the barn had burned down. And, and so they kept, you know, uh, everything else. And so when we bought it, the silo was there and we just said, Hey, it's a landmark. And sure. whenever you say, Hey, the silo, everybody say, Hey, I know what that is. So we just kept it and put our, um, logo up there. And Well, I, I tell your story everywhere I go in the country. Cause I think it's an amazing story. Part of what amazes me, it's there are churches across the United States that are in rural or semi-rural areas, mm-hmm. which you definitely are. Yeah. Uh, but you're not only in a rural area, a sparsely populated area, but it's heavy Amish and Mennonite. Yeah. Very seldom do I come see you without seeing buggies. Yeah. You know, out, yeah. out on the road yeah. or the guys in their bicycles. Right. Uh, so you come. It, you first when you first came here, how long ago was I came? It was thirty three years ago, 30. and we were in Sugar Creek, a village of about two thousand people. Sugar Creek, all right. Mm-hmm. And so thirty three years ago, <clears throat> free Methodists. Free Methodists, yeah. So, Had about seventy five people. Kind of typical. Typical three hymns offering out by eleven thirty. All right, so so for everybody that's listening, I'll just back load real quick. So thirty three years ago, you you come to Sleepy Little Sugar Creek, which is a nice little community, right? Sleepy little free Methodist church of 75 people. Today, you're five campuses. Yeah, five and launching a sixth one. Six campus, 5,000-ish mm-hmm. on the weekends, yep. growing. Yep. Uh, even this main campus, which because they're everywhere, but in yep. in the where you are going uh, in your campuses are also semi-rural areas. Kashocton, yep. Millersburg. Right. So it, it's not like, now you have one in Canton, which there's population. <clears throat> uh, and one in Worcester. Most, yeah, but it, yeah. Those outside of Ohio don't think Worcester's yeah, yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> got population. <laughs> but yeah. when it was so Canton would be our... our <laughs> that's yeah, your flagship. Yeah. Right. No, so you, what you've done... So now here's my question. Mm-hmm. Is when you came 33 years ago, mm-hmm. did you think this is where I'm going to spend my ministry, my life? Or did you uh, 
did you think, hey, I'm going to come here and do it for a few years and maybe I'll get an opportunity to go somewhere else? Because I think that's where no. most people today think. No, I, I think I, I came here to die. Okay. And and my, my whole plan was um, I was going to come here. I didn't know all this was going to happen, but um, I was uh, going to come here, love people, cry with them, laugh with them, do life with them. And, and die here. And so, you know, one of the things that has gotten me through 33 years is a sense of call. And that's allowed me to go through the ups and the downs and the high points and the low points and the disappointments and all of that is I, I know that I have a call. So that's been very important to me. So in the chronology, though, you, you're at Sugar Creek, right. the little Methodist church grows. Right. Eventually you relocate here to Dover, which right. is not that far. Right. But you got you buy the farm. Right. How large were you at that stage when you made the transition? Well, we, we were we were probably, you know, somewhere around twelve, fourteen hundred which is in Sugar huge, Creek. Huge. But we lost about three hundred people when we moved. Right. Because um, you know, it was like a fifteen million dollar relocation. Um no one had ever experienced that. And so, you know, the question was, were we gonna fail? I don't want to be a part of something that's going to fail, especially in a small community, and and be the laughing stock. And so we lost about three hundred people when we moved, and and lost um, all but one board member. Okay, so picking up on that, you you're at Sugar Creek. It's growing. You guys get twelve fourteen hundred, which is huge. Huge. One of the things I think is unique about the rural or semi-rural environment is the people that are not in your church, that mm -hmm. are in the community, plus mm -hmm. the ones in your church, most of them don't have big church experience. Right. So, because if you're in Dallas or Atlanta right. or Charlotte, you know of big churches, right? whether you're in one or not. Right. You have to set the paradigm. Right. And that that's fun, Yeah. but that's got to be challenged because I, I assume that not everybody thinks big churches are great. Right. So the way in which I've tried to approach it is to make myself very available. So um, I, I don't walk on the platform and walk off the platform. Never done that. If, you've, if you want to find me on a Sunday morning, you go to the lobby and I'm going to be there. So, you know, I'm, I'm greeting people. I'm welcoming people. I'm Dwight. Um, I pray with people. You know, I might say, hey, I don't think we've met before. Um, you know, my name's Dwight. And, and they'll say, hey, I've been coming here for six months or, you know, I watched online. And so I, I think the key to that, I think the, the senior leader um, uh, sets the pace in that. And so I make myself available on Sunday morning before and after. Um, and, and, you know, I, you know, some people say, well, you, you know, you're wired different because I will walk directly from the lobby onto the platform. And so it's not like I have to get myself together, though maybe some people think I need to. <laughs> Spend a little more time getting together. <laughs> Spend a little bit more time getting together. But, but so, you know, one of my values is availability. And, and so I will meet with anybody in the church. When you're hiring staff, is that something you look for? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I'll meet with anybody. I may not be able to meet with you tomorrow. I may not be able to meet with you next week. You know, I, I have scheduled times of where I'll meet with people. But if you want to meet with me, we'll get it on the calendar and we'll be able to do it. So I think that helps the, the uh, largeness of a church. One of my, when I coach guys, one of my pet peeves, and I don't know if it's a pet peeve, but one of my admonitions that I say beware of, 
is as, as your church grows, when it gets to a larger size, if you're not careful as a senior pastor, you will only know two groups of people, leaders mm-hmm. and pains in your butt. Mm. And, and so right. what's interesting, listening yeah. to you talk, is by doing this this forced thing where, hey, you want to meet with me, I'll meet with you, here's my schedule, Right. is that makes you meet with everybody, Right. not just the noisy, squeak, squeaky ones. Right, exactly. Yeah, and, and, and it fuels me because, you know, you end up hearing stories. And, and somebody will tell you a story, hey, you know what, um, um, I started coming here, could never get my husband to church, and now he's coming and he loves it. And I'm so thankful and I'm, I'm great. So you, you hear those stories, not secondhand, but you hear them firsthand, which are huge for me. I mean, they're my mojo. I've known you for a while and the, you're, I've always been impressed by what God's done here. And when we travel around the country and work with churches, probably half of the churches we work with through the years have multiple campuses because mm-hmm. that's, my explanation is that, like in the '80s, when churches started going to multiple services, right? Yeah, because you know, early on, I can remember because I'm an old guy <laughs> that when you, you had a church, if it ever had to go to a second service, you you wanted to tease everybody that you know someday maybe we'll get a big building, we can go back to one, and, and right. it's because you know this two right. services, <clears throat> but then we got into multiple services and realized, oh, multiple options actually opens the doors to a lot more people, you know, good use of space, all those kind of things multiple campuses in many ways, mm-hmm. it's just the next piece of that. Right. It's, it's like, okay, we're, and you're going up and down I-77 and, and mm-hmm. hitting these other semi-rule or rule, very rule mm-hmm. areas with your spots. But you're choosing to do it with video. Right. You're doing video venue. Right. A lot of different ones out there. Explain to me kind of the nuts and bolts, how that works. So if I show up at Canton or Millersburg or whatever, campus pastors' roles and responsibility, mm-hmm. the video teaching, how that happens, does that all originate here? Yeah. how that? Um, um, well, you know, uh, initially we would do taping on Thursday. I remember And that. so I basically preached to an empty room. That's correct. And they would do that, and then we would shoot out the DVDs or whatever to the, the campuses. And, and now we're, we've, we've moved up a grade, Phil. We're live streaming, okay? And uh, so what happens is everything at the campus happens at the campus level except for the teaching. So we, we, have, we have campus pastors. They do the welcoming. You know, they, they set the tone. They pray. We have live bands. Um, and then um, they, um, you know, close it out. They hopefully put a bow on the... the uh, uh, the service. And so they do that. Now, the thing that I like about multi-service or uh, multi-campuses is it frees uh, campus pastors to really lead and develop and mobilize people, mobilize the church. And to me, that's the genius of a um, multi-site church because we're really called to make disciples. Correct. Correct. They, but when you're looking, because a lot of the folks that will be listening to us are trying to figure out their mousetrap. Yeah. And so they're looking at the multi, you, know, you have some multiple services, multi-campuses mm-hmm. where you have individual team teaching or even a rotation of teaching yeah. where you've got the centralized video teaching. When you're getting a campus pastor, mm-hmm. what do you look for? Well, I, I, I look for somebody who can connect with people. Yeah. Um, because to me, there's one thing of connecting on a platform. There's another thing that's connecting across the table. And I think Jesus was a master at both, of course, but he could connect with 
with a small group of people. And, you know, I've heard it said of some guys, he's the most personable, impersonal person I've ever met. So on stage, he's alive. And then you meet him and he's got walls around him. Right. Or she has walls around her. And, and you can't ever crack that. And so, I, you know, I think the, the ability is the being able to connect with people and, and um, lead them in that way. So I think that's huge. So relationships is, is absolutely essential. So I, just th thinking of a, a different direction um, of the things that you go through making decisions, because you and I both talk a lot about leadership and, mm -hmm. and everything rises and falls on leaders. Right. And, and your ability to lead more than every other gift piece that you have is can you lead? Can right. you build a team? Can you lead? Right. Can you cast vision? Right. Uh, so people, people can do that. Sometimes there's a conflict of vision. Absolutely. Sometimes when you guys from Sugar Creek to move out here, part of the people that choose not to come are saying, I don't know if I'm, I like that vision. Mm -hmm. And how do you deal with that? Because that's a rejection. I don't think a lot right. of pastors are geared for rejection. No, I, I, I agree. But, he, he, I mean, I, I think a couple of things on that. I, I think that, um, um, you know, it's the old saying, and, and it may have, have started with with Andy Stanley, okay? Um, your vision is not to keep people. Your vision is to reach people. Hmm. And, and, and so, you know, somewhere down the line, every time you make a decision, there's going to be people who are going to be in, and there's going to be people who choose to be out. And I think when you have a clear vision, you're basically just choosing people who you want to be in. If you're, if you're headed in this direction, if you're drinking this Kool-Aid, if you're buying this, you know, um, um, then great. If not, I'm okay with that. And, and I, I think it always stings, you know, to some degree or another, but I, I think that you have to get comfortable with that. My, my dad was a pastor and one of the greatest men I've ever met, and he pastored a church of 250, okay? And so he attended here probably for the last 20 years of his life. And, and, and so he would see people come and go. And so he would come and he would talk to me and he'd say, hey, you, you, you know the Smiths left? They're not happy. And I said, I know the Smiths left and they're not happy. And I said, I'm okay with that, Daddy. <laughs> and, and, and so we would have to walk through that because his natural tendency would be to go after him. Right. And, and, and then what would happen is a year, 15 months, 18 months later, hey, Dwight, what? I saw the Smiths back at church. I said, yeah. I said, now, you know what? If we would have gave in to them, we wouldn't be where we are, and they probably wouldn't be back here. Right. And so I, I think it's, you know, do you really believe, do you have the conviction to be able to hold to what you really believe in and communicate that? Yeah, I, I, I had a, a pastor friend when I was a young guy starting off that said when, uh, that often when people leave frustrated, one of the last things they want to do is like come one last time on a Sunday and tell you they're leaving. <laughs> you know, so they can shake your hand and say, right. I'm not happy. And, and, right. and they're leaving. But he says, try, he goes, resist the urge to kick them in the butt. Right. Because you'll be amazed how many of them come back. Uh, I agree. That's so. I think that's great. And I tell people, you know, when they leave, hey, I'm okay with that. You know, find a good church or a place where you can get your family there 
and they're going to help you grow and develop in your relationship with Christ. And I said, that's, that's the name of the game, you know? And I said, if we're not able to do that here, then I would encourage you to go to a place of where you can make that connection because the stakes are too high. One of the, the questions kind of in that same vein, you remember early on, Rick Warren would talk about when you're planting and can, for all practical purposes, when you take a little church in Sugar Creek of 75 and grow it, it's, mm -hmm. it's like a church plant eventually. So he said, the people that you plant with and grow with are not always who takes you to the second or third or fourth chapter. Right. right. Has that been your experience? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, um, you know, you, you, you know, again, um, Jesus would say, unless you hate your mother and father or your brother and sister, you can't follow me. And so he has to be the centerpiece. And not everybody's willing to take that journey with you and and um, over the past 33 years, you know, um, I've had people who have gone on vacations with, who literally have been part of a family, and they're not with us anymore. And, I, you know, I think that what happens is how you, <clears throat> how you treat them and how you respond to them um, is huge. And, and, and one of the guys, we were really, really close, and... and um, he left, and um, but we've reconnected. We're good friends here. Uh, but I did my best to try to stay engaged with him. And his wife at the time, when they left, uh, got diagnosed of cancer, and um, she was in the hospital. And so I'm thinking, okay, you know what? They're mad. They're upset. Um, she's in the hospital. What do I do? Mm. And I married up. Okay. And so <laughs> I talked to Patty and I said, what do I do? And she said, you know, well, don't go see her as a pastor, hmm. go see her as a friend. And, and I'll never forget this, Phil, um, because I was scared. You know, I was fearful because I could envision myself walking in that room and all of their friends surrounding the room and thinking, what are you doing here? Don't you know, we left the church don't we know, don't you know that we're mad at you? And so I went there and Patty went with me and I walked into the room and um, it was just her and her daughter. I approached her bed. Here's what she said. I knew you would come. Mm. I knew you would come. And I still get emotional about it because um, I've asked myself how many times, um, have I not gone because I've allowed fear or allowed a hurt or disappointment or a rejection to keep me from doing that? And um, uh, she ended up dying. I ended up going to her funeral. Um, her and her husband and I have reconnected. Um, um, I've had some deaths in my family. He's been at every one of those funerals. Mm. And we're friends. Right. And, and I, I just think that you have to have a, a bigger kingdom mindset. You know, we are a group of people who's trying to lead people to realize and reach their full potential in Jesus Christ. But there's many other people out there doing the same thing. And you don't have to come to the church that I happen to pastor to be friends or to golf together. And I got to, to just one last thing on the whole rule thing. Yeah. I got to think it's different 33 years in a, in a place like this than 33 years in, say, Atlanta. Oh, because yeah. you may, 
have somebody get frustrated and leave and never see that person for 10 years. Right. Whereas Sugar Creek, Dover, Coshocton, what are all these communities? There's not that many grocery stores. No. <laughs> I mean, no. you, there's not that many Walmarts. You're going to see somebody. You, you run into them all the time. And I've just made, I've just made a decision that I'm not going to allow fear to keep me from that. And so I'm not going to be serpy. You know, I'm not going to overdo it. I'm not going to think that we're best friends. But if I see you, um, I'm not going to go down the other aisle. Right. I'm going to face my fear. You know, Proverbs says the fear of man is a trap mm. or a snare. And I, I think most of us who lead in ministry, our biggest issue is we're afraid of men. We're, we're afraid of people. And so it, it um, uh, I think the message, it says the fear of men disables you. Wow. And, and so I, you know, I would go down the aisle with you and I would say, hi, Phil, how you doing? And you might say, okay. And, and, and though everything in me might be saying, he thinks you're stupid, don't, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm not going to give into that. And, and, and I think what happens is I, I think that, especially in a small community, um, that speaks volumes because, you know, if somebody hurts you or somebody disappoints you or in some way you feel rejected, the whole thing is I'm staying away from you. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Giving Leader. Uh, it was a fascinating conversation. One of my favorite people, Dwight Mason, in the ministry there in Northeast Ohio. And I really appreciate you listening and telling your friends.